To really live, you must almost die. That was a slogan that a unit of Green Beret Special Forces had. The man in this story was a part of that team as a medic and had to learn that lesson for himself. Let's get into it. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing to you part one of the story of a man who treated others even when he himself was wounded. As a military medic, he also worked in a primal village to train others. He did so many other good things, but deep down, was scared to face death. We'll get into that and more on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later, we're going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize. And I think it's a prize you're really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. Part one of the classic true story of Gary Bykirk. April 1st, 1970, I was based in the village of Dac Siang, one of 12 Americans among 2,400 Vietnamese Montagnards, a tribal people who wore loincloths and hunted with crossbows. We affectionately called them yards. At five that morning, enemy troops attacked us with artillery and rocket fire. Incoming! They're zeroed in on us. Take positions. American officer wounded! Let me see your wound. Hold still. I have a compress for your stomach. As I knelt to help a wounded yard, I heard the piercing sound of an artillery shell or a rocket coming toward us and covered him with my body. I felt the blast like being kicked by a horse. I was thrown 25 feet, slamming my body into sandbags around the mortar pit. My next memory is of Deo, my Montagnard bodyguard beside me. Baksai. You okay? Where's the man I was treating? I can't move my legs, Dale. Help me find the yard I was treating. Okay, Baksai. (sighs) Gone. Only pieces left. The shell get him. I covered him with my body. I take you to underground bunker. No, we have to help the wounded. Okay, Baksai. We stay together. I help you. So many women and children, all dead. His ordeal had just begun for the man in our story. Already wounded, he continued to treat others. In this first of a two-part story, we'll hear the dramatic chain of events that led him to this point. It's the true testimony of Gary Bykirk, right now on Unshackled. I always felt that I had to prove myself to everyone, striving to be the best. Maybe my parents' divorce when I was five was a factor, or that I was the oldest had something to do with my actions. We lived with mom's family, who was very close and supportive. 
Mom remarried when I was eight, but I always referred to my stepdad as dad because he was a wonderful and loving father. They both worked hard, mom in a factory, until a stamping machine tore up her hand. My dad was already working two jobs, but to make up for lost income, he joined the Navy Reserve. Months later, while boarding a plane to Virginia, a terrible accident happened. The ramp collapsed, and his leg was caught between the ramp and the plane. He fell? Yes. The upper part of his leg broke and did a lot of damage to his upper body. Is Dad going to die? No, but his injury is real bad, so don't tire him, okay? Okay. Reminds me of when you were a toddler and you fell out of the upstairs window. Everyone thought you would die, but you didn't. Well, I'm tough. Yeah, you had a fractured skull with more than a hundred stitches. You were in the hospital for weeks. Cousin Janet said she prayed for me every day. We rarely went to church, but in sixth grade, I signed up for religious education so I could get out of school on Wednesday afternoons. Other boys and I terrorized the teacher, but she was nice to us in spite of our actions. When we asked her why, she told us about Jesus and invited us to pray to him for salvation. Because of my parents' disabilities, life was hard, but they were always optimistic and did their best for us. However, we moved a lot different school every year. By ninth grade, I had been in 11 different schools, and I rebelled. This is twice now, in a month. I know, officer. I'm sorry, he won't run away again. All right, good night. Gary, what is wrong with you? Nothing. This running away has got to stop. Why are you- Grandma's dead and now Grandpa is sick too. And I hate going to a new school all the time. But Grandpa can't stay by himself. That's why we're moving, so we can take care of him. Why can't I live with Aunt Lee and stay in the same school? (sighs) I'll ask her. I lived with my aunt and uncle and finished high school in one place. With my competitive spirit, I excelled in athletics and also did well academically. I started drinking with my peers during my senior year to fit in. The most stabilizing factor in my life was a steady relationship with Donna, a girlfriend throughout high school. We went off to the same college together. Everyone assumed we'd get married and live happily ever after. But two months later, she broke up with me. Therefore, I did what every young, red-blooded American did. I thought the two of you would grow old together. Me too but I couldn't change her mind no matter how I tried. Then I got in a drunken fight with her new boyfriend. Way to go, Gary. That probably ended it. It did. Who can figure women? Mine dumped me too. I only came here to be with Donna. I might as well quit college. And do what? Maybe join the army. You might end up in Vietnam. So what? That's what I'll do. Join the army. I have a better idea. Let's make them sorry they dumped us by joining the Marines. That's what I'm gonna do. Want to go with me? Are you crazy? My cousin says those Marines are nuts. They only teach one thing, charge. What's wrong with that? I'm going to join the Green Berets. The Green Berets? I want to go to Vietnam with a unit that'll give me the best chance of coming back. I totaled two cars after my breakup with Donna, but each time I was drunk and hit trees. I could have died, but it simply reinforced my idea of being very tough. 
During spring break of 1967, my college roommate and I hitchhiked to Daytona Beach. He ended up in the hospital with appendicitis, so I stayed with him and took the opportunity to enlist in the Army. I had to join the Airborne Infantry and then pass qualifying tests for Special Forces. Since I was athletic, physical training was not hard, but following orders was very difficult for me. On a 30-day training mission in the Florida Everglades, we dropped into the swamp in three-man teams. Man, if the gators don't get you, the mosquitoes will. No gators gonna get me or you. What a wilderness! Like Vietnam, they say. We better move out. The red team will be after us. What's the best way to survive? Resourcefulness, creativity, self-confidence. I chose to be a medic because I wanted to help others, and I trained for a year in San Antonio. Being there was like being on vacation. I unwittingly went to an evangelical movie, and at the end, three men shared their testimonies and then invited us to receive Christ. I walked out. When we reported back to Fort Bragg, we got an apartment in Fayetteville where we held weekend parties. Aren't you guys supposed to be in the barracks? They assigned us rooms, but who wants to live there? It's cramped. What if they find out? If we get busted, we deal with it. Special forces are famous for their independence and resourcefulness, and I finished training thinking I could do anything I put my mind to. I've been looking at your record, Private Bikirk, wondering why you're still in E3. Now I know. KP nine times in eight weeks of basic training? You must like it. No, sir. Not too good at following orders, are you? I'm not sure how to answer that, Sergeant. You were selected for medical specialists, but trained in weapons and graduated third in your class. You should be an E5 by now. Yes, sir. Special forces are known for independence, self-sufficiency, and resourcefulness, but they still follow orders by Kirk. Understand? Yes, sir. I was assigned to the 3rd Special Forces Group at Fort Bragg, training to be a part of the A-Team, but my rebel spirit kept me low in rank. One day, I drove into Fayetteville and hit the bars to celebrate a break from the monotonous duty. Memory fails me after that, but I awoke in jail and my team sergeant filled in the gaps. Well, aren't you a pretty sight? Looks like you've been in combat. Feels like some broken ribs. What happened? Well, according to the police report, you were driving back to Fort Bragg when you hit a couple of parked cars, refused to stop for the police, led them out of town where the state troopers joined the chase. When they forced you off the road, you attacked them with a club, so they subdued and restrained you. They did a good job, sir. You're facing multiple charges by Kirk. Driving while intoxicated, hit and run, resisting arrest, assault with a deadly weapon. You can stop there. You need a good lawyer. Folks, we'll get back to Gary's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. 
Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to part one of the classic true story of Gary Bykirk. The lawyer advised me to get orders for Vietnam, so I quickly re-enlisted for four more years. The judge dropped all charges except reckless driving and fined me $100. Before going to Vietnam, I headed home to Rochester on leave. While there, my cousin's husband, Buck, came all the way from California to see me. So you think your training's been good? The best. I'm ready for any situation the war can bring. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it sounds like you're ready for battle, but what if you're wounded or killed, Gary? I mean, are, are you ready for that? Don't worry. I'm good. None of us is good. You know what I mean. Well, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You don't have to tell me that. During my first jump in airborne training, some of the guys cursed God as they went out the door. I get that, but, uh, well, God is not mocked. Everyone reaps what they sow. Yeah, I thought it was stupid of them. Listen to me, if, if you were to die right now, do you think you'd go to heaven? I'm okay, Buck. Yeah, but the Bible says... And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. God loves you, Gary. He's not willing that anyone should perish. Trust him. You got a lot of those scriptures memorized for moments like this, huh? <laughs> yeah. And here's another one for you. Probably the most famous. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to die for you, Gary. His death is payment for your sins when you repent and come to him. Green Berets are willing to die for one another? Yeah, but that won't get them to heaven, Gary. Only Jesus does that. I felt invincible, but I was impressed that he came that far to tell me about God. I flew to Vietnam, assigned to a small special forces camp on the Laotian border in the Central Highlands. As a 22-year-old, being a member of the A-Team was a dream come true. Welcome to camp, Gary. Uh, do you have all your equipment now? I haven't inventoried the medical stuff yet, but I think so. The choppers can bring you what you need. Any questions? Uh, how many people live here? Roughly 2,300 yards, about 450 are trained to be soldiers. Anyone 12 and up can be a fighter. We even have a 12-year-old kid that's an M60 machine gunner. How many Americans? 12, counting you. Any concern about Kong infiltrators? The Yards hate the Communists. Not a chance. We're pretty isolated here on the border. Do you see any action? Enough. Don't go outside the camp without a Yard bodyguard. Where do I get these bodyguards? Take your pick. Among the trained fighters. I chose a 15-year-old named Deo, and we developed a special bond. He became my bodyguard and mentor for surviving in the jungle. He called me Bak Sai, Vietnamese for doctor. Not that way, Bak Sai. That way is Tiger Home. 
Tiger home? You have tigers in Vietnam? Yes, big tiger. Then the Kong have to be careful of them too. See this plant boxai? Yes. Is good to eat if very hungry. Raw or cooked in fire? Better cooked. Look out! Snake! I hate snakes! That one is poisonous. Poisonous or not, I hate them. Are we getting closer to our rendezvous point? Soon, Baksai. Then let's use hand signals from now on. Deo watched over me and we became inseparable. My duties as a team medic were to monitor and maintain the health of the Americans, as well as the mountain yards in the camp. I selected certain yards and trained them. Always wash your hands before touching a wound. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hands have germs. Germs? You can't see them, but they infect wounds. Infect? I will explain in our language later. Good. Uh, someone who is badly injured will be in shock, and shock can kill. So look for signs of shock and, and deal with it. What if he bleed big? Well, stop bleeding first. It causes shock. You must decide quickly what to do first. Maybe it's to give morphine. Okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, now then, let's go over lab procedures. Working as team medic, I tried to train the yards in everything from first aid, diagnosis, and treatment of disease, including surgical procedures, sanitation, and a host of other aspects of medicine. But I also had to develop a working relationship with the village witch doctor. What's wrong with Yoy? The witch doctor put a curse on him. Why would he do that? Said the guy cheated him. I tried to talk him into dropping the curse, but he refused. Said it's in the hands of the spirits now. And now Yoy is sick? Can't keep anything down. We've done blood work, but don't find anything. His family made him move out. Afraid of the curse? Yes. We better medevac him to play Q. The Mountain Yard soldier died in play Q of unknown causes. The yards were steeped in mysticism and pagan practices. I had one trainee who just didn't have the aptitude for medicine. His name was Todd. Drop him. He's so determined. I hate to disappoint him, so I, I made him the preventative medicine specialist. <laughs> What's his duties? Responsibility for camp sanitation. Spraying the latrines for flies, burning the refuse. <laughs> How'd he like that? He told me he was going to be the best preventative medicine specialist in the Army. And he is. No matter what job I give him, he's dedicated. Life was almost surrealistic. Simple, but with a sense of accomplishment as I took care of the villagers' health and taught them what I knew. Daily chores like farming and caring for livestock like chickens, pigs, and water buffalo gave me a sense of accomplishment. Relationships were genuine, built on love and trust. We all cooperated, depending on each other for survival. We also depended on the helicopters that supplied us. Here comes the chopper with letters from home. Yeah, for sure. We were low on meds till they came. If not for the choppers coming and going, you could almost forget you're in a war zone. I love it here. The yards may be primitive, but they live life in a way that's uncomplicated. No TV, no supermarket, no cars. I prefer civilization, Gary. Not me. I love it here. I had found a home among the hard-working mountain yards. They touched me in a way that began to change me. Then came the surprise attack on April 1st, 1970. 
We were surrounded by 10,000 North Vietnamese, and the artillery and rocket fire lasted for hours. Shrapnel had slammed into my spinal column, and the concussion temporarily paralyzed me. But Deo and Tot carried me around so we could keep nursing the wounded. Baksai, we stay together. Over there. Take me over there. Memories are episodic. Memories of chaos and terror, of dragging our young lieutenant to the medical bunker after he was blown out of the tower in the center of camp. Or going from body to body and seeing there was nothing we could do to save them. Of dragging a wounded yard and giving him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. Fighting the enemy face to face. Getting shot a second time in the side. A third time in the abdomen. Why am I here? The blood everywhere, the blood. Underground. Medical bunker. Baksai, no more you can do. I'm gonna die, but I am not gonna die down here. Take me back out to the battle. Okay, Baksai. We stay together. My abdomen was torn open, but they carried me out of the bunker back to the battle. As we made our way to a bunker with a machine gun, we heard the sound of incoming artillery, and they dove for cover. The explosion shook the ground and sent dirt and debris through the air. Come on, guys! Let's go! Dale? Dale is dead, Buckside. Oh, no! No, he can't be dead! I carry you. Dot, help me! My final memory of the battle that day was lying on a stretcher in a bomb crater with Tot beside me. With no more strength to go on, I had collapsed and agreed to be medevaced out. We had called in air support to prevent being overrun, and jets were streaking overhead, dropping bombs and rockets right on our camp. Helicopter gunships poured machine gun fire all around. I heard the sound of one descending quickly to avoid gunfire. Chopper, come now! Take you, Buckseye! They shot it down! I could see the pilot and door gunner. I could see them. Two more helicopters were shot down, exploding in a ball of fire. I began to weigh my desire to live against the lives of those men. My next memory was being rushed across the open landing zone and being thrown into the arms of a young medic on the chopper. He yelled, hang on, we're getting you out of here. You're gonna be okay. As soon as we landed at Play Q, they put IVs all over my body. Then came the shock of a cold metal surface for multiple x-rays. I awoke in ICU, groggy, but aware of men groaning around me. Men without arms and legs, with nurses holding their hands as they took their last breath. I wanted to live and summon all my strength to fight death. Then I lost consciousness. Hang on, Gary. You can do this. Fight it. Don't let it get a hold of you. Don't give up. You're stronger than this. Look it in the face and let death know you're not afraid. You're gonna beat this. Lord, uh, help this man to pull through, so 
that he can know you as your word says, Lord. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Oh, what? Oh, hello, I'm the chaplain. I've been coming by your bed for the past couple of days. I've been praying for you. I'm glad you're awake. Sir, I'm glad to be awake. You were fighting a tough battle, son. I still can't feel my legs. Well, they tell me it's temporary concussion of the spine. What's that on my stomach? Colostomy. Your intestine was perforated. I saw you praying with that guy when I woke up. Oh, here's a cross for you. Would you like to pray? Sir, I don't know how to pray. Well, that's okay, son. He knows how to listen. Just talk to him. Like you're talking to me. Okay. Uh... God, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you're here. But I'm scared. And I need you. As I prayed, I sensed that there was someone greater than my pain. Greater than my fear. More powerful than death that stalked me. And I knew somehow this someone cared about me. I was no longer afraid. Because I knew God was real and that he loved me. The battle was far from over for Gary Bykirk. Next week, we'll hear the conclusion of his powerful testimony and his search for peace. Listening friend, the Bible declares in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You can have the gift of eternal life by going to the cross and asking Jesus to save you. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 say, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you need help in making this life-changing decision for Christ, get in touch with us at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607, or call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, 
please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, the prize for this sweepstakes contest is another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. And it's John 1.29, which proclaims, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's wonderful, isn't it? Well, this plaque is gorgeous, especially if you're looking for daily inspiration from Scripture. You will love this authentic and very unique wooden plaque. The plaque has been sawn from a tree branch. Sawn? Is that a word? Well, it is now. Or log and cut into such a way to retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. And the bark around this one, well, it's gorgeous. This plaque has been handcrafted around the, the natural character and beauty of the wood that God created. Now, if you'd like a peek at this scripture plaque, just visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org, and stop by the audio drama page for a picture. Unfortunately, we're only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. Your name, phone number, and email. The winner of the sweepstakes for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced June 27th. But the deadline for entry is June 11th. We look forward to hearing from you. And next time... Incoming! Get that jury over Captain, here! We need an IV on him, Stat. Soldiers! We're losing him. Get the doctor, Stat. Deo, Todd, help me get to him. Deo, let's go! It's okay. You're dreaming. Survivor's guilt can oppress anyone who lives through a war or a catastrophe. Three regiments, 10,000 against our little village, 2,300. Deo, Deo died trying to protect me. The effects range from loss of interest to feelings of acute unworthiness. Why did they stay with me? They risked their lives for me. Gary Bykirk was on a quest for answers. The terrible things men do in battle makes me wonder. Where's God in all this? This is the story of how he found those answers and so much more. The conclusion of the true testimony of Gary Bykirk, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Gary Bykirk, part one, were Stephen Spencer, Ryan Priester, Connie Foster, Dwight Sora, Demetrius Troy, and David Brian Stewart. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. And script, Kenitha Gabler. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So, until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>